This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Fighting on Film podcast, the podcast all about classic and obscure war movies, from the Normandy landings to the days of chivalry and swords. If it's been captured on film, we're going to try and cover it. I'm Robbie of RM Military History. I'm Matthew Moss of Historical Firearms and the Armourer's Bench. Hello, welcome back to Fighting on Film after our week hiatus we had some gremlins in the system but we're back to winning ways this week we welcome matt back from las vegas and we do our patreon pick episode now if you're new around here to the show every month we pitch four movies to our fabulous patreon supporters to vote for by the time you listen to this it will be february but this month's patreon pick for january was ill met by moonlight from 1957 but if you want to join the patreons and getting on the action for yourself, you can do so for as little as £2.50 per month, and you help keep the mics on here at FOF HQ. But before we go into the movie this week, I thought we'd have a brief chat about all of the um, accolades and nominations being thrown at All Quiet on the Western Front in this year's yeah. awards roundup. What do you think about that, Matt? Well, it's, it's it's something like, is it 13 or 9 BAFTAs? No, yeah, um, nine Oscar nominations, fourteen that's it. or something. That's yeah. it. Uh, and I think it's equaled the record for the most number of BAFTA mo- nominations for a film, right? Ever, um, mm. which is incredible. Uh, it really, interesting is. that there were no um, cast nominations within the, within the the Oscar noms. I thought that was interesting. Which mm. Yeah. The cast was strong and I thought there were some good performances, but there's lots of um, you know, the production side that is being mm. recognized, which mm. is I can see I can see where the nominations are I coming know. from for, for that. It's been a bit of a backlash though, isn't there, in Germany? I've been reading about Apparently that. so. I read an mm. article this week and I sent it to you, didn't I, that said that a lot of uh the German cinema press had found the adaptation to be um a little bit too loose with the original source material because Remark's book is so lauded yes. and you know it's it's a cultural touchstone mm. for Germany, um, rightly so. And a lot of them are, are, are kind of unhappy with how the the material has been adapted, which it, it's interesting because obviously it's something that I also noticed and, and you noticed as well. And we we both said that it's kind of a shame they didn't just break in entirely and go with a different name. Yes. Um, and acknowledge the nods to the original source material because mm. it clearly isn't an adaptation in the classic sense. Like how, like Land and Freedom, isn't a direct copy of um, Homage Catalonia by George Orwell, yeah. but it borrows yeah. heavily from it. But because it doesn't mm. call it that, it gets away with a lot more. Like maybe yeah. they should have just gone down that route, perhaps. I think that might have kept some of the German cinema critics happy. I don't know how the film was generally received amongst the German. You know, cinema going Netflix viewing public. Yeah. Um they might have loved it. Um which is entirely yeah, possible. And you know, critics, critics and audience are separate and entities, aren't they? A hundred percent. 
yeah i think it's interesting i think it'll be interesting to see what it wins um mm. i mean no doubt the movie is you know it's painting what, what camp you're in the movie's over a masterpiece or it's you know an affront to the book um but, but we have to remember that the the previous adaptations altered things as well from the yeah, original book itself. Yeah. So we can't be too um, stringent in holding the book up mm-hmm. to the film or the film to the book rather. Yeah, because there's there's always artistic license. Although admittedly, the 2022 film does break a lot more. Yeah, uh, from from the book than the previous adaptations do. But it'd be really it... interesting to see how it does. Definitely, no, it will. I know that really. Do. Um be interesting to see what happens and it leans back into our theory of event movies the war genre becoming yeah. event films Duncan, yeah, I've got that's, that's totally true uh, uh, 1917 got loads <laughs> yeah. yeah no i think you're right i think there's a definite argument to say that war movies have become event films especially the successful ones yeah i think there's the smaller ones or the least the, sorry the less successful ones definitely um kind of fall by the wayside a lot yeah. quicker than well look at how devotion's been treated over here with its um with its release like it just got shoved on prime video with not much fanfare yeah i don't understand it i watched it uh <clears throat> this weekend oh, wow. and i really enjoyed it i'm looking forward to covering it i thought oh, it was good. a really well-made um film it felt like an it felt like an old war movie in a lot of ways right and it, it sets the characters up phenomenally well i think but we'll talk about that. That's not what this yeah. week's episode let's is about. Get we'll, back to, we'll let's save get that back for the devotion the, episode. The when we come in to hand. It. Yeah. Um, but so let's get into Ill Met by Before Moon. we do move on, though, I will say, if you haven't listened to our All Quiet on the Western Front review, do go back and, and yeah, take a listen to that because it's a really interesting discussion around. Because I saw it on a cinema screen. Rob saw it at home, as yes. most people probably did. Um, so it's but definitely well worth taking a listen to. Oh, and there's um, another, yes. li- another little aside before we move on. Um, this week... Um, while the new episode, while the episode last week may have been delayed, our um, fabulous executive producer Katie's been working behind the scenes, and there now is a search function on the player app on our website, fightingonfilm.com, where you can now search for movies. So, if there's a movie that you wonder if we've done, or you know something um, that you, you might be curious of watching, but you might want to listen to our review first, you can go and search it up there. Um, and now we have. Uh, We've done some tinkering and we're now getting spreadsheets through things like that. So hopefully going forward, we're going to get all the information that you guys send us in one place. So now we can work yeah, on the suggestions list and stuff. Yeah. Much yeah. easier. Um, so thanks a lot, Katie, for that. Um, Truly are living in the future now. We really, really are here at Fof HQ that the boffins are that they're going cyber. <laughs> so uh, back to Ilmet by Moonlight. I said that probably five times already. So uh, cast or production, Matt, the floor is yours. Yeah, so uh, in terms of cast, it's a uh, it's quite a strong cast, and I I think everyone in the film brings a lot to it um, mm. with the material that they've got. Of course, it's led by Deck Bogard, um, who plays uh, Patrick Paddy Lee F- uh, Fermer uh, or Philodem or Philodem. Um, a couple of years prior to this, he had a great turn in Appointment to London in uh, 1951. Yeah. Um, he'd been in uh, They Who Dare and The Sea Shall Not Have Them in 54 he was in Simba in 1955 a very rare British cinema look at the Mau Mau uprising Brian Desmond Hurst um, this is the glory director exactly yeah um, we'll definitely have to cover that one I think we will um, The Wind Cannot Read in 58 which is an interesting one about um, uh, the, the Far East it's a bit of a, um, a romance where he falls in love with um, uh, a training instructor who trains um, people to interrogate Japanese prisoners. Okay. Um, interesting one. He's definitely in his uh, peak, the, isn't he, this era? So like yeah. The, yeah. Throughout the 50s, does lots of great stuff. Um, Password is Courage, HMS to Fight in 62, uh, King and Country in 64, Oh, What a Lovely War in 69, and of course, A Bridge Too Far, which we've covered on the podcast a couple of times, uh, yeah. in 1977 is his last uh, war movie role. Um, of course, when we cover cast, we only really discuss the war movie roles because if we yeah. went into all the other exactly amazing it's just films relevant, that Deck was in, we'd be here for yeah. quite a while. Exactly. Um, then we have uh, Marius Goring, who plays uh, Major General Heinrich Creep, or is it Crepe? Crepe? I think Creep. I've heard people say Crepe, Creep, Crepe, Crepe. There's loads of different um, pronunciations. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Um, I can't remember how they pronounce it in the film, but you just call him the general a lot of the time, don't they? Crip, I think um, they say a lot. Yeah. Uh, so he was uh, in another Powell and Pressburger film in 1939 uh, called The Spy in Black, which is one of those early war noir movies um, with a almost fantastical plot. Uh, Matter of Life and Death in 1946. He was in Odette in 1950, but Ooh. Odette Samson. Um, I was Monty's double in 58. The Angry Hills a year later. Up from the Beach in 1965. And then his last war movie role was Zeppelin with Michael York in 1971. Uh, David Oxley plays Captain uh, William Stanley, or Billy Moss. Um, and his probably best known war movie role is Yesterday's Enemy. Uh, in 1959, which yes. we've already covered on the podcast. Uh, Dimitri Andreas plays Nico Emerus. Uh, Cyril Cusack plays Captain Sandy Rendell, who's a bit of an eccentric character in the film. Mm. Um, he was in Soldiers 3 in 1951, uh, The Man Who Never Was in 56, The Spy Who Came In From The Cold, and he was also the gunsmith in the 1973 uh, Day of the Jackal as well, which Ooh, is uh, very nice. A classic. Uh, Lawrence Payne played Manoli, um, and his credits include A Matter of Life and Death as well, and the court martial of Major Keller. Wolf Morris uh, played George, um, and he was in A Camp on Blood Island in 1958, and Yesterday's Enemy in 1959, uh, and The Message in 1976. Michael Goff played Andoni uh, Zodakis. And his roles include uh, Reach for the Sky in 1956 with Kenneth Moore, uh, Top Secret in 1984 with Val Kilmer. we got to do that uh, at one point. That's, I know, that's, yeah. We it is good. We probably do. We probably do. Um, Comedy month. War movie spoof month. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> and then we've got lots of uh, TV credits and Hammer films. And then uh, John Kearney rounds out the, uh, the main cast uh, and he played Elias. Mm. It's a good cast. No, they are really good. They are good, um, and there's a lot of a lot of nice banter, and there's some nice scenes. I think Deck is obviously extremely charismatic in this film. I think yes, he plays it mostly on like a, a charismatic level. Um, but yeah, cast is interesting. It'll be interesting to talk about performances later on. I think yeah, I think no, there is there's definitely um, a caveat there with the uh, the casting. So uh, moving oh. into. Oh. Almost forgot. Almost Ooh. forgot two two very small roles. Oh, Christopher on. Lee as a German MP. Yep, yep. Uh, who uh, follows Deck into a dentist's office, and there's a classic dentist's chair scene where the dentist is pretending to do some dental work on someone, gets a drill out, etc. Um, that's a trope. And, it is a um, bit. Christopher Christopher Lee uh, suspects them. And yes. uh, there's a scuffle, and then Dirk shoots him in the stomach with a, a little, like, I think it's like a 25, like, like a, like a nickel plated revolver, like isn't a, it? Like yeah. a tiny little 25 caliber pistol or something like that. Yeah. Maybe a 32. It's very cool. Um, Cowboy almost, that scene, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's mm. a, it's a, it's a good one. Um, and Lee's lines are predominantly in German, which he delivers yes. very nicely. And of course, uh, he was uh, RAF liaison officer. And RAF liaison officer with the SOE. So it adds him having he... small roles in like 60s, 50s war movies because he was had a small role in the Cockle Shell Heroes, didn't he, as well? Yeah, he did. Yeah. The... I wonder what he made he of it. And then before we move on, um, we have uh, a very young David McCallum. Yeah. Who is a seaman aboard uh, the motor launch who drops off Oxley's character um, and picks up the team at the end of the film. And that's his film debut. And he. He stumbles over his one line a little bit I know. at the end. Let um, him have another take. He's so I know, I know. Um, but yeah, he's very young in this. He, he doesn't is. have a lot to do. He just stares into the middle distance at the yeah. beginning and then oh. he sort of ambles up and says, it's time to go or something. Talking of um, David, is it David McCallum. We're getting that right, aren't I? Um, talking of him, I found some really interesting trivia about him the other day. So strolling through TikTok and there's a, a music uh, TikTok channel that I follow and they do like uh, samples. One of David McCallum's like guitar riffs on his one of his songs was sampled by Snoop Dogg in the nineties. David McCallum has a musical yeah. career. I did not know that. It's Dr. Dre. So it's a Dr. Dre sample. 
but it's a David right. McCallum song. The Edge by David McCallum. What? What? That's mad. That's an iconic yeah. riff too. I know. That's an absolute nugget for you war movie fans out there. So if you listen to our History Rage episode, um, we said that we've probably given loads of free trivia nuggets to pub quiz heads. And I think that's another amazing tiebreak question there. How do you link David McCullen and Dr. Dre or Snoop Dogg? <laughs> Only on fighting on film, people. Right, so moving on to the production of Ilmet by Moonlight. There's a fabulous restoration available to watch on ITBX and BritBox if you are a subscriber. Um, it's amazing. Um, so move uh, the production. So it's based on the abduction of Heinrich Krepp in uh, early 1944, and the script is based off the 1950 memoir of the same name by W. Stanley Moss. Um, with any relation there, Matt? No? Sadly not. Sadly <sighs> not. I mean, it may be an unknowing relation, but Who knows? not that I know of. Yeah. yeah. Um, and with Emmerich Pressburger of obviously Powell and Pressburger fame, bought the rights to the book in the same year. The film finally went into production uh, after a six-year hiatus when... Uh, that when after the success of the Battle of the River Plate in 1956, they signed a one-picture deal with the Rank Organisation. Uh, their experience working on the film's production, however, did lead to the end of the Archers-produced films. It was a bit of a tumultuous time on this project. So the film, as I mentioned, directed by Emmerich Pressburger and Michael Powell, known for a, a matter of life and death, the life and death of Colonel Blimp, Battle of the River Plate, um, filmed in black and white rather than this division, um, unlike other Pressburger films, which I think is a bit, it's a shame. Because I think it would bit, have I added think. so much mm. depth Agreed. to the beautiful uh, camera work. Um, it's distributed by the Rank Organisation, and Powell and Pressburger blamed them for interfering with the film's casting and filming locations, and they didn't like the fact that Dirk Bogard was cast in the lead. Obviously, he was a Rank actor at the time. He was known as the, uh, what was it, the 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 darling of the Odians or the something like that. I can't remember the exact word. Uh, the exact phrase, um, and Powell um, said this of Dirk's casting um, from a passage taken from Dirk's autobiography. Powell wanted a flamboyant young murderer, lover, bandit, a tough Greek-speaking leader of men. Instead, I got a picture postcard hero in fancy dress. He would listen with attention to me while I told him what I wanted. Then he would give me about a quarter of it. In the end, it was, he decided, a mess. How cruel. Yeah, that's unfair. That's <laughs> yeah. unfair. I... And then if um, you if you gave this any more than Dirk is giving it, it would be caricaturish, surely. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? And then Patrick Lee Fermer added this on Dirk's portrayal um, from the same book. Um, once again, after the fiasco of Elmet by Moonlight, Patrick Lee Fermer felt the film slipped away into cliche and could have stuck rigidly to the actual consternation of events. Dirk resplendent for a while in the outfit of a Cretan chieftain, cut a dash. But it was a photography. But it was a photograph of himself in a beret, battle dress top, and jodhpurs tucked into knee-length boots, which he kept as a memento of his career as action hero. His favourite still. Mm. Nice, but also yeah. not nice. <laughs> I, 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 from that, I don't know what he thought of it. I, I. It's I difficult, guess. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's interesting because you you could have gone. A very different route with this film and i'm sure we'll talk about this in a moment but Dirk does a more than charismatic enough job Dirk's doing what um, Dirk does yeah yeah um and he's he's working with material that i feel isn't top notch it's not fair I material i don't think we'll get back to it because i know i know mm. the route we're going down because we talked about it previous uh, before we started Due to the political situation on Crete at the time, the film was shot in the Alps Maritimes in the south of France and the Route du Jour, uh, along with Pinewood Studios for interior shots. Um, Femme and Jeanne, who were on the original uh, operation, did act as advisors on the film. Uh, cinematography was by Christopher Chalice, who worked with uh, Powell and Pressburger on The Battle of the River Plate and The Elusive Pimpernel, among others. And the mm -hmm. score was by Greek composer Mike Theod Theodocratis. No, Theodorakis, there you go, um, whose works include the score for the Battle of Sejuska with Richard Burton, Zorba oh. the Greek, and Serpico, which is one of my favourite films. Nice. 
I do like the score. I think the score's fabulous. It's got those Greek notes it's, in there. It's, it's a really great, great little theme. There's there's lots of Phrygian scale running mm. throughout the, the, the score yeah. and it just sounds really nice. Um so it's 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 good that they got someone so skilled and familiar with that type of music to to do the score for, I think. Yes. Yes. It it really does. It's great. And he himself, a prolific, a prolific uh, composer. And the budget was just over £212,000 in today's money. That would be just over £5 million. Uh, the film was described as a financial success, but I couldn't find a box office take. Um, it was released in March 1957 in the UK and in July 58 in America, but it was called Night Ambush. Mm. And the retro review this week comes from the New York Times by Howard Thompson on the 25th of April 1958. It's quite a long one but I think it gets its point across. Night Ambush, which opened yesterday, is a second-rate British adventure drama of World War II made by Paul and Pressburger, two men who emphatically should know better. Three reasons why are Stairway to Heaven, Black Narcissus and The Red Shoes. It might be more to point to cite Pursuit of Graf Spey, a recent work by the writer-director-producer team, and one that at least took war seriously. The most curious and exacerbating aspect of the new picture set on the Nazi-occupied island of Crete is its archness and whimsicality, almost from the opening scene adapted from W. Stanley Moss's novel. The plot describes how two British intelligence scouts and some friendly natives kidnap a Nazi general and drag him across the mountains to wait to for a boat. With a pretty good cast headed by Bogard as the chief scout, Marius Goering as the enemy officer, most of the picture appears to have been shot on location with some craggy panoramas that would have been wonderful to see in colour. To put it squarely, this dawdlingly directed entry lacks genuine suspense, wartime urgency and genuine humour while straining frightfully hard for chuckles all the way. Powell and Pressburger may have aimed for a thriller, but they have casually mixed a flat wartime martini. Ah, well, that's done it for us, hasn't it? That's exactly what I was thinking about the film. See you next week, folks. Yeah, yeah roll it out. See you next week. Um, damn. I know. Yeah, yeah, that is that's pretty much spot on. Yeah, they they aim for a joviality within the script, which yeah. I just can't imagine. I can't get behind it. What yeah. was actually? The, I haven't read. Obviously, I haven't read *Ilment* by *Moonlight* the, the book, so I can't um, can't say whether any of that humor is also in the book. And I'm sure there is some humor, and they got on really well with the Cretans, yep. and it was a, a close knit, you know, um, operation, but. There's a level of joviality and attempted humour, kitsch humour, mm. which runs throughout this film, which yeah. undercuts any stakes and suspense. There's a lot of it. When that's what thoughts. the film is built on. <laughs> it's, know. are they going to get away with the general that they've kidnapped? Mm. A, are they going to successfully kidnap him? And B, do they get away? And, you know, there's moments in the film where you, you get a little bit of an idea of some of the genuine suspense they could have created. Um, but it gets quickly undermined by other scenes where it's, mm. it's, it's like, what? And are the pacing supposed to laugh doesn't help. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. And the pacing doesn't help because it rattles through so far. It does. It does. It's the pacing of the film is good, mm. but you, you cut, you're kind of not given a chance to breathe. It's very and, quick. And, and appreciate the mm. uh, the difficulty they're having in getting this yeah. general across I wanted, like, the, the terrain, the mountains, yeah. and open ground of Crete. It, it could have been rank organisations, like you know, meddling according to Pal and Pressburger. But I feel like we needed more scenes of them trekking through the mountains. It being very difficult and arduous. I never felt like it was difficult or arduous really for them. No, um, I mean they just seem to just have a lovely hike. You know, yeah, some scenes of the Germans actually being within you know distance of them would have been distance would have been good. Yeah, yeah. would have yeah. added suspense. And again, I don't know how close the Germans got and how far mm. ahead they were, but I I believe but in terms of a film, it needed. Yeah, something. there were instances yeah. where they were close, and you know, we're always saying that sometimes films can take a little bit too much artistic license and. Mm. Add things that they should. This one doesn't take enough. Where it, <laughs> Sometimes we, it might feel. Yeah, exactly. You're left wanting just a little bit more. And mm. I know there's a scene and an opportunity we'll talk about in a moment um, where they could have done something fairly spectacular and given the film a really oomph of an ending, but mm. don't. Um, but yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's a few things that sort of rankle, don't they? But anyway, getting back to the production. So it's on with the one word reviews. And we had some good ones. We had a, a nice I think we had 40 or 50 entries this week. You can join in with that at uh, Fighting on Film on Twitter. Yeah, please do. We usually put them out uh, over the weekends before we record because we record over the weekend. Um, so do look out for them every week. So we have AD Bond goes with Professional. Uh, uh, Paul Woodage from World War II TV goes with Ernest. David Current says Crete. Ken Reaney goes Poshos. Uh, Stephen Proctor goes Mountainous. Paul Hicks, Dirky. Uh, Very Frank, Fantastic. Uh, Darren Skerritt goes Amateurs. And then he goes with Professionals. Um, and Maureen Picard goes with Archers. And rounding it off, um, Sir Donald Pig goes Audacious. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hmm. Yeah, there's some, there's some good ones there, I think. Yeah, um, a lot of people saying, oh, this is an absolute classic. Can't wait for you to get into it. Um, yeah. So I don't know if they're going to be disappointed. <laughs> Sorry, they everyone. Might. I mean, this this was, I think, the second time I've seen this. I have I vaguely remember this from years ago. Yeah. So I vaguely I remember... I always get it confused with They Who Dare. Yes, yeah. And I even got it so confused where I posted a picture of They Who Dare saying we were reviewing It Will Met by Moonlight. Because it, but they're very similar looking. They're I'm both, sure you know... everyone thought that was intentional, Rob. <laughs> that was a very funny joke. Nope. Nope, wasn't it wasn't intentional at all. Um, <laughs> I think one of our yeah. followers um, actually lost. In, I think he's lost in translation on Twitter. He he pointed it out, and I was like, "Oh gosh, yeah, they, you're right." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just how it goes sometimes. Um, I mean, I'll I'll explain my thoughts on the film in final thoughts. I think, and I'll say, yeah, yeah so, I'll, get, I'll get into it a bit more there. I think I think now's the time to move into the alley telly. It sure is. It's time for Ali Tally on Fighting on Film. Yeah, there's not much going on because there's not much going on action wise, but it's not really about that. I know mm -hmm. um, it's a very simple plot of kidnap the chap, extract him. Um, you, you've got Dirk and his SOE um, chums going around with M1928 Thompsons. But I think on the actual raid, I can never remember the, 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 this weapon. I know Matt will know. But if you see pictures of the actual raiding party and the partisans that are with them, they've got this very rare submachine gun that looks a little bit like a Thompson. Could you tell the listeners what it is? Yeah. I, so Rob, Rob um, messaged me on uh, WhatsApp and said, yeah, I don't think they had Thompsons. I think they had something else that looks a bit like Thompsons. And I was like, oh, UD-42s, yeah. <laughs> Matt because, just ping, just knows, yeah. Because United Defence M1942s were uh, mostly used uh, by SOE. So okay. SOE got, got quite a few of them, and they dropped them to various cells and, and on various operations. Mm. Um, and they're probably the most prolific user of uh, UD-42s. Um, they're really interesting guns. They are submachine guns. Um, I believe they're 45 ACP, like a Thompson. Right. And they do have a front grip, but they have a, like a, a classic conventional um, yeah. buttstock where you hold on to the buttstock rather than a, a rear pistol grip like the Thompson. They're like someone's trying to draw a Thompson from memory, but not having seen yeah, one in like Thompson, 10 years. It's the Thompson you have at home. Um, <laughs> We've got Thompsons at home. 
yeah. Um, <laughs> you are right. It makes sense. They're good standards, though. Underst- I, I can completely understand them not managing to get you. No, they're very rare. I mean, yeah. yeah, they are. If they're um, a shot in Crete, maybe they've got some. You know, maybe who knows? maybe there've been some hanging around. Um, mm. There's some but, revolvers, very briefly. Yes, there are, as you mentioned I think, earlier. Uh, I think there's um, are they Webleys or Enfields. I'm not I sure. I can't remember. Mm. Maybe. Um, but they're no, I like the look that. of I like the look of the partisans when you first see them. They look very partisan-y. Yeah. They've got the bandoliers. They've got mm-hmm. an odd mix of rifles. There are some number fours in there. There are some some Steyr. They look like Steyrs to me, really early, like 20s oh, Steyr yeah. rifles. I, I don't know. I, used by the Greek police. I can't remember. Really? Okay. Yeah, maybe. And there were some definite, like, you know, obviously K98s and things like that, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was nice because it showed that the, the SOE influence of, of delivering weapons had come through. I yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, well, it makes a battle dress and Cretan yeah, traditional nice. wear as well. You know, we've got the chaps with their wings on the, their, um, their battle dress. You've got, like, the, I think, it, I can remember, never remember the names of people from this film. Like, because oh my God, I just it, he he is so a presence in this movie. I forget everyone else. Um, yeah. But people are wearing like you know civilian shirts underneath their BD. It's very relaxed. It's it's not a it's oh, not stiff Sandy. upper lip. Yeah, Sandy's thing. very Sandy, relaxed. He's got the yeah. um, like a check check uh, light shirt yeah. underneath, hasn't he? I like it. It's really nice. And even down, but down to the details of things like that make them that made the partisans and the SOE feel like they'd been embedded for a while. They didn't just didn't feel superficial mm. where you've yeah, got the chap quite well. Yeah. So the chap's going back on the boat when Sandy comes in and he goes, no, give me your boots. That's our tradition. Come on. And he doesn't want to give up his boots and they do. Yeah. So boots you know, are in short supply. Short supply. Yes. Yeah. So you know, they've got like supply issues and, and, and things like that. I really like that. Um, and then obviously Dirk's costume. That's Ali. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and um, San, I think Sandy says to him, "I like your outfit." And Dirk goes, "I like to, th- I like them to think I'm sort of their duke, a latter day Lord Byron." And it's great. <laughs> yeah. Just he only yeah, he I could mean, pull I, that off. I think I think Dirk would have been great to play Byron. Actually, that would have been would have yeah quite a good great. casting if they'd ever made a film about Byron. But yeah, he does look he does look quite resplendent, doesn't he? He does. But he's only he really in it does. very short, very briefly. He's got his jumpers and his his, his yeah. sweater. And all that, yeah, and the knife, and yeah, 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 I like it. Um, and then finally, just the only thing that lets the movie down, and it's and it's a fifties sort of war movie trope, I think, where the, the Germans just look okay. Yeah. yeah, they've got the field growl sort of type, or the trop more tropical type uniform on. Yeah, yeah, but there's nothing Sand to write home about. Yeah. It's all got mm-hmm. mittens, belts, and you know things like that. And then the, you know they were going around in American half tracks and Bedford trucks. It's just tropey 50 stuff that we love. Oh, was there a Betty? I missed the Betty. Well, I think it was one Betty QL. It might have been Austin. Can't remember, but it was it was definitely a, a British truck. Ooh, we, have, we haven't had an entry on Betty Watch for quite we a while. Haven't, no, Betty Watch has been dead for a while, so it was nice to mm. see it. Um, but yeah, apart from that, they really felt like a, a partisan band. And a, yeah, they looked the part, SOE didn't they? It, it looked, they did. And the photographs, um, the very few photographs of the Cretan yeah. resistance in the SOE cell, um yeah i can i can mm. we can we can let we can definitely agree that they looked the part yeah they did they really did and they you know they looked disheveled they didn't look brand new either um yeah. uh, some of them um but no it, it's decent enough i think yeah and that's about it alley wise there isn't I much going so, on yeah there's another the, the motor torpedo boat that they come in on that's kind of cool Bad. yeah kind of cool i like that shot that that's one of my favourite shots of where they're approaching the island mm. on the boat, or where Oxley's approaching the island on the boat. It's nice. Um, and that is the moment I thought, oh, this would be great if it was in Technicolor. It, exactly, because it's the whole thing. Pal and Pressburger, they sh- I think they shoot their movies and they envision their movies to be in colour. So mm. it's such a shame this one didn't have it. It must have been ranked trying to save a few pounds. Must have been surely. Must have been. Mm. Um, but anyway, I think, I mean, have you got any more for the Ali Telly this week? Because it's quite I don't. That, I think we've covered everything. Yeah. Yeah. There's no tanks. There's no. Um, no there's there's no, the, like, the General's Mercedes. General's Mercedes. Uh, that's very nice. Which one of the Cretan part. lads uh, recognizes by the sound of mm-hmm. his engine. You could an, say that um, 
boots are quite alley in this because there's a lot of boots related stuff in the plot yeah yeah boots are are a little plot device as well towards the end as well yeah they are nico good old nico right Mm -hmm. so moving on to favorite scenes favorite scenes Hello there, sorry to interrupt. I wanted to let you know that you can now join our supporting cast over on Patreon. As thanks for your support, you'll be able to help us pick films, submit questions for guests, have first pick on brand new and exclusive merch, and much more. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. So in terms of favourite scenes, for me, I think the one that stands out is the fog scene. They're on the run. um, And it's the scene that gives you the most uh, um, impression of jeopardy and suspense mm-hmm. within the whole escape yep. um, element of the film and um, the last two acts and um, it kind of underlines what could have been done with the film a little bit I think mm. um, because even that scene doesn't really ramp up the tension uh, no. as much as it could Um and then, even then, it's kind. Of, there's, a, there's a scene later on where um, the general's been put on a horse because he's pretending to be injured, mm-hmm. sorry, a donkey. Yeah. Um, and there's a bit of tension where they think, "Oh, we're being followed." Like one of the the Cretan resistance members says, "Like Philodem, Philodem, um, we're being followed." I think we're being followed. Yes. And they they kind of like take up positions. Uh, the, I think Deck draws his revolver, and that's the scene where you see the revolvers. Um, yes. They're, they're ready then, for a scrap at that point, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you think, oh, okay, hmm. a bit of jeopardy. Uh, and then two, a couple of goats come down the track, and it's another moment of jeopardy. Yeah. Playing it off for um, playing it off for comedy, really. Yeah. You know, and you could have done that without That's playing fine, it for That's fine, but you have to have. Yeah. You have to have some mm. sequences which are serious and hold the weight. Yeah. That you can juxtapose that comedic element against, um, but because it's all fairly lighthearted. The whole escape is relatively lighthearted. The, the hardship doesn't feel um, no. particularly real. Yeah, you know they, so they take their battle dress jackets off and you see them in their shirt sleeves, but they don't look. They don't look like they've been walking for eighteen days. No, I don't feel that. Um, it just it gets a little bit muddled. I think, and I know where you. I know what, how you feel. Yeah, but you're right about the mist. They could have done more there, and obviously, I know that. I don't know if whether the Germans pursued them through these mountains as as like the movie doesn't suggests, you know. So yeah. obviously it's my it's my ignorance of not knowing enough about the operation, but um could have done a bit more, a little bit maybe a bit more artistic license. You know, I never yeah. felt they were in that much danger. You know, even the elements could have been a danger to them and didn't feel like they that came in enough. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like... I, there are films that do similar sequences like that, um, mm. where the you know people have been pursued. Here's a telemark, um, yep. the guns of Navarone, yeah, um, have pursuit scenes where there's you genuinely feel like they are being pursued mm. in this real jeopardy. And I think with this film, it would have benefited, uh, yeah, I think it would have done having a yeah. little bit more of serious tension in place, and, and it's maybe rank not letting Dirk maybe get that shoveled perhaps it could be in his contract that he's got to look as kempt as he can be at any one given time perhaps so who knows yeah yeah you know even they could have what got about you? Have you got a favorite stuff. scene yeah i've it's more of a favorite sequence i think the capture of crep is really well done mm. um the whole setting up being at the crossroads learning the movements of the car you know trusting the partisans to know the movements enough when they've captured the general and they're in the car yeah. It's they're driving through the streets and the hills, and it's this whole fear and and the being like you know you got Dirk chain smoking. I think it's a really nice little detail um, that that you, you do is very noticeable. Um, he's very very anxious, and then they get through the sea that sea of Germans. That's a beautiful shot. You know mm. they could be found any moment. That's really great. And then the fear goes to jubilation once they get through that big checkpoint. And they and get some really great dialogue where the the, the comedic tension does work, the, the the comedy element does work because they're happy they've done the job. It's like long yeah. live the Cretans, up the rebels. Um, and then after that is where my final thoughts come in. Really, the first half hour of this movie is really great. The, the pacing and the tension and the fear is good. You know, capturing this big German general, yeah. really great. 
And then it delves into a generic sort of cat and mouse chase. And I've got it in my notes where we see a lot of the mouse, but very little of the cat. Yeah, that's very true. And and that it just never feel like they were in true danger right until the end. And obviously, if the operation is like that, and that's great. But as a movie, I just want a little bit more. Like I feel like Nico, Nico's betrayal could come in, could, the general could have been working on that the whole way through. Yeah. Could have been sort of chipping away at Nico's morality. It could have been a bit more there. Because I know Pal and Pressburger can do that because they did it with um Matter of Life and Death. They did it with Life and Death of Colonel Blimp. It, it's just in this one, they can't work out the tone, whether it's serious, like that review said. And I did read that review like a few days after I'd watched the film. So I'm not basing my opinion on something I've read beforehand. Um, we do go into these movies blind and whether yeah, we've seen them or not. Um, but I just felt, yeah, it gets it right. It tonally, it's all over the shop. It doesn't, doesn't, it wants to make you laugh. It wants to make you fearful, but it can't, it can't grab one properly. Um, and, and, and yeah, but money for jam is a great line. And I do like it that. is, and there's some there's some good lines like the bit where they they describe themselves as amateurs, mm. um, and, it, and it circles back to that at the end where the general admits that you know they're they, they are aren't amateurs, they're professionals. Mm. Uh, which, there's an element of him wanting to believe he's been captured by professionals. Yeah, of um, course. Yeah, and and he's Gagurin doing a great job. He's really well yeah. cast in this. Yeah, he's a serious foil to some of the um, mm. yeah. charisma some of the charisma of um of, of dirk yeah they play off each other quite well hello i'm al murray and you're listening to fighting on film the world's number one war film podcast moving into final thoughts uh, i suppose we should probably talk about the missed opportunity at the end again might almost be a cost-cutting exercise and paul and pressberg handle it quite nicely but there's a sequence at the end of the film where the Germans have been chasing them and uh, a company of Germans have occupied a beach, the beach that they're going to exfil from mm. um, and they're expecting to meet the motor launch at. And they don't know what to do. They don't know how they're going to get through them. They can't fight through them. Um, yeah. And eventually, spoilers, Nico leads them away very cleverly. Um, that's good tension. Uh, that's very good tension. It's that a good. That's, yeah. that's one of the best parts of the film. Um, and it would have been even better that whole sequence, if they'd shown the ambush that had been laid for these Germans that Nico leads away. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, we get a rather tasteful um, shot of a canyon with some reverberating gunfire sounds and echoes, yeah. um, intimating that there's a, an ambush going on, but we don't see any of it. Even if we'd just seen a little bit of it, I think mm. that would have... Um, I think it would have been quite helped. empowering as well for the for these, for these the characters as well. Yeah. Like the, you know, we've been we've led to believe in this movie. Obviously, we know these partisans are incredibly brave, and they're you know they're 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 going to lose a lot regardless of what they're doing. If they get captured, they're in trouble. You know, if if they do any attacking, they're in trouble because the reprisals are you know mm-hmm. absolutely horrible. And obviously, that the reprisals were bad when yes the yeah. crep was was removed from the island, and then there was a, a, a not a very nice situation for for the for the Cretans afterwards. Yeah, there was a wave um, of uh, reprisals and yeah, um, but yeah, I I think it would have elevated the film a little bit. And I, I I know Powell and Pressberger were more than capable of filming something of like that. Doing that, yeah, it just so, a little missed opportunity, perhaps just for a little firefight. Perhaps just funding thing. It it might have been money. I mean, maybe it's just me at this point. I'm I was a little bit. I wouldn't say bored. But I was like, come on, I want some action now. You need it. I, I never felt like you they weren't in gonna... a 50s war film. <laughs> yeah, I never felt like they weren't going to escape. No, I never felt like they weren't going to get out. Yeah, I, that, the, I think the, that's what I'm wasn't. Uh, I didn't, it didn't create a genuine fear for me as a, as a, a viewer. No. Um, to believe that they weren't going to escape. And I wanted I, to and... see Dirk fire that Thompson so fucking badly. Oh, I know. Yeah, that would have been great. <laughs> Yeah, that would have been great. Just Hello. popping up from behind a, a stone wall. Please. Letting, letting off a mag. Or, you know, silently yeah. dispatching a, a a sentry or something. Just something, yeah. you know. Like, I wouldn't have... I, obviously, may, maybe Pam Pressburger wanted this. They wanted to do a serious, as much as they could, re- recreation of events, fair play. Yeah. But I think for the audience, 
um, perhaps you know I'm not well I'm not saying that war movies can't be nuanced and have a lot to say look at the cruel sea in the same decade but mm-hmm. you know this one just felt like it's a bit more boys own in, in places yeah you know? yeah I, it just needed a little bit more I mean to, to be to, to round out things in, in my um my thoughts the characters are likable um it's beautifully shot yes it, w- it would have been better in color um Much but it's still still beautifully shot i do appreciate that it stayed close to the reality of the the operation um in that there were no running battles and big action no it was um, great sequences. It was, it's good that and it's grounded but then it's also pushed not. It's into very the old. Film. yeah yes it it's just needs a little more and, and perhaps it perhaps it would have been absolutely fine as it was um without any of that action added if it had been a little bit less jovial in places mm. um, yeah it's the whole it's the tonal shift really quickly so and, and this is in my notes so i've got to mention it it's and maybe you, you'll have it in yours as well but it's when they're waiting at the crossroads and it's just before they do the capture and they realize that crep's coming and there's that character and and he goes the general like and he runs yeah. off to like get ready i'm like that's like a sitcom line that's like a comedy yeah line yeah, yeah it's so tonally off for me it's really I, I didn't mind a lot of the humor and um those elements when we were getting to know the cretans when mm. oxley arrived um oxley's um moss moss yeah. the, char- the, the character arrived um that worked well but for it to continue in moments of jeopardy i didn't think that worked as well i i mm. a little bit more tension would have been great um, yeah, it's got Pound and Pressburger humor where it does need it. Yeah, I think that's I think that's it, and I think it's mm. a rare depiction of the war in the Mediterranean Aegean. Yes, um, and and that's a positive, but it really made me think. It really made me want to see Anthony Quayle's book about Albania and the yeah, SAA. yeah, uh, eight hours from from London um, or yeah, England. Got that on my shelf. Um, need to read it. Uh, adapted, I think. Yeah. I, it's it just it just needed a little something more for me, and I can mm. understand that it, people enjoy it as a you know one of those Sunday afternoon classic romp classic fifties era British films yeah, yeah. Um, but it, I don't think it does the operation the justice um, that it could have done because a lot of civilians got killed in yes. reprisal yes yeah. which there's no mention of that after the end of the film no. either um, no there's not believe and of of course but, there isn't with most of these movies really no um well you'd be you'd be you'd be forgiven for just thinking that this was a um men on a mission made up operation yeah you might think that yeah um whereas unlike guns and Navarone, this actually did happen yes yes and was real it was a real operation which is mm. kind of counterintuitive it's odd isn't it it's a bit and i think as well i think learning about how dirk was treated really pissed me mm. off a bit because i'm like who else do you get in, in the late 50s, you don't, but um, David Niven, he's getting a bit yeah. too old, even David then. Niven, perhaps, yeah. You know, Stan, Stanley Baker, too tough, maybe. Mm, mm. Michael Caine's not not come online yet, really, that, in that era. Todd. Maybe Richard Todd. Maybe been a bit Todd, typecast by then. Yeah, Todd wouldn't, I don't think Todd would have had the flamboyance for it. No, there's something Dirk brings what only Dirk can bring to this film. Yeah, and I Todd's understand got the why charisma and the commanding yeah. presence, but he, I don't think he'd bring the flamboyance that Dirk could bring to the yeah. role. And it seems like the role one needed a little bit of flamboyance. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it feels like a little, little flourish. Just, just rankled with me after learning all that. I was like, it's not fair. Yeah, he's done, he does a really good job in this, and I know it, it did rankle with him, it annoyed him at the time because mm. he felt like he'd given a good performance and all the reviews came out and they were like oh this man's completely wrong and he was like hang on i'm just doing what i've been told by my bosses yeah yeah exactly um yeah it's not i i struggle to say whether i'd recommend it but if if you haven't seen it you need to and adding it to your list of uh war movies you haven't seen it please do but it's not one that stuck with me for weeks after Mm -hmm. it's it's that kind of movie of british 50s war movies i think it's important because it's a depiction of the war in the mediterranean and the Aegean yeah, of course uh, on crete and that's very rare um so in that regard i think it's worth taking a look at um mm. 
It's an interesting one. It definitely is an interesting one. Yeah, and, and there we go. Exactly, and it's well. I think it's worth watching for the restoration alone because it's beautiful. If you've got the, yeah. the, oh, the TV and the means mm. for it, it's great. Beautifully shot, of course. And there is a I must have, uh, remember while we're, we're still on air. There is a good documentary uh, about the operation about um, the men who did it having a reunion in the seventies called Reunion of Enemies. You can find it on YouTube. Um, it's, it's a Greek production. Um, and there was also on World War II TV, Kyle Glover did a uh, presentation um, about this uh, very operation. So please go and over to those and find those. Um, I'm fans of history here. I'm sure you'll history rage. Fans of history rage as well. Go and see what Kyle Glover does in his day to day as well. So there you go. That was Ill Met by Moonlight. Another Patreon pick for you. And we love we love the picks that you're choosing. Um I think you're knocking out the park, guys. So please, if yeah. you want to get involved, please do so. It definitely helps support the show. Um, and there's other packs on there as well. So definitely do check it out. Please do. And we will catch you next week. And as always, you can catch the back catalogue of the show on fightingonfilm.com. And we'll catch you next week. Have a good one, guys. Now even more searchable. Yes. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.